0: What's good, my friends? Well, the producer just got better looking. It's Brandon Keeler in for uh, Diesel, who's on his way to the Carolina Kickoff Show. That's going to be uh, a really good broadcast. Diesel does a really nice job of making that interesting and entertaining. The host is a good-looking host too, uh, sir. Oh, thank you, thank you. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I can't afford you. Uh, your check is in the mail, sir, but uh, thank you so much. <laughs> hey, guys, here's how you can take part in the show. You can give us a ring at 844-FAN-PHONE. That's 844-F-A-N-F-O-N-E. That's 844-326-3663. carpro.com Text line is there for you at 71307. Just start your text with the word FAN, and away you go on the show. We've got Lawton Swan from Clemson coming up in the next segment, but we want your takes. We want your opinions on all that we have got cooking here on the show. The top five at five is your chance to engage. It is your chance to vent and so much more. Uh, I want to share this with you. Uh, We got, uh, so I was on the uh, Spurs Up show earlier today, and I always am, am curious to see what clip, from the show, um, what clip from the show is Chris Phillips going to pick? And today he picked me saying that Shane Beamer has got to start acting like a CEO. Some of his rants after games at me, etc., come off sounding like a petulant child. And he says Mark Ryan of the Fan Upstate gives his thoughts on Shane Beamer's post-game comments following last Saturday's win over Jacksonville State. So um, Jeffrey Reiner is a local listener. I, I guess you could say he's an offsider. He says, I listen to Mark and Diesel almost every day, and there are a lot of points that I love. But to a guy that has covered the Gamecocks for this many years and never been to a game, come on. He will bow down to Clemson. His audience is 70 to 80% Clemson fans. Um, Jeffrey, I have been to Williams-Price Stadium. I have been there. Just because I don't post pictures of experiences doesn't mean they didn't happen. Okay. I may or may not have worn a disguise to Williams Bryce Stadium. Okay. But I have been. Rest assured knowing that I have most, de- I have been. Okay. Um, the second thing is bow down to Clemson fans. You know, that tells me, Jeffrey, that you don't listen to the show very much. You know, Dabo's been in the crosshairs the last month, Beamer's been in the crosshairs the last month, right? It just so happens that that is your perception because, in my opinion, um, the Gamecocks are guilty of more embarrassing things than Clemson is. Clemson's season has been embarrassing. Some of Dabo's commentary has missed the mark. But they weren't 2-6 and with a coach who broke his own foot on a Gatorade bottle. Okay? I mean, like, come on, man. You know, if you call a spade a spade and one team constantly steps in it, And the other team rarely steps in it. Your perception is going to be, oh, oh man, he bows down to the 70 to 80 percent of Clemson fans that are his audience. Well, here's the actual number, Jeffrey. Here's the actual number. Fifty seven percent of our audience considers Clemson their favorite team. Fifty seven percent. Just a tick more than a coin flip. Okay, 24 percent consider South Carolina their favorite team. About one in four listeners of the show. And uh, 19% list another team as their favorite team. Could be Furman, Georgia, Florida, Auburn, et cetera, right? So 19% other, uh, 24% South Carolina, 57% Clemson. That's the ratio. We've done the research, okay? So, and that ratio is also in line with what I've seen out in our community. You know, like – 57% is about two and a half times than a number of Gamecock fans. I would say I've seen roughly two and a half times the amount of Clemson gear than I have South Carolina gear. So I I think that fits. What say you guys? 844-326-3663. In your opinion, does this show do a good job of playing it down the middle or does this show not? You know, and before you answer that we do not, I, I simply ask you, who's had it better, Clemson or South Carolina? And might that be why your perception is that I'm harder on the Gamecocks than Clemson? Might that be why? It's time for us, my friends, to do that jam. We call it the top five at five. The top five biggest sports stories of the day. The top five topics we're discussing. Ladies and gentlemen of the Upstate Offsiders, the top five at five starts right now. Hit it. All right. At number five, Um, Brandon, riddle me this. Okay. Riddle me this. The, the top producing offenses in college football, okay, they average over 500 yards a game, mm-hmm. okay, of total offense. How many schools average over 500 yards of total offense? Oh, I said three. Very good guess. Five. Those schools are LSU, Oregon, North Carolina, Washington, and Liberty.
1: All Liberty, average really? for
0: over 500 yards of offense a game. The worst offenses in the game, okay, average uh, picking up under 300 yards a game. Mm-hmm. Okay, those are the worst offenses in college football. How many offenses average under 300 yards a game on offense? I'd say six. Very good guess again. It is eight. Ooh. Now listen to this. Let's play the lottery. <laughs> BYU, 130 schools, right? BYU gets 298 yards a game. Ball State, 294. Northwestern, 292. Akron, 285. Kent State, 278. East Carolina, 277. Poor Jim Zoki, our Carolina Panthers guy. He's their voice. Eastern Michigan, 258. And are you ready for this? We go from 258, last place, Iowa, number 130, 225 yards really? a game of offense. Wow. You go from 277 to 258 to 225. That's terrible. That is the worst the, the, the that is the greatest statistical discrepancy I've ever seen in my life. Now, I share that with you to say this. Iowa plays Rutgers this week and the over under point total for that game is a record low Oh boy! The over-under point total in the game is 28 points, meaning the game is forecasted to be 14-14,
1: roughly, <laughs> if you
0: can, you can imagine that, right? Yeah. The lowest of any college football game since at least the year 2000, uh, according to ESPN stats and information. Barring late-line movement, Rutgers-Iowa will be the first game with an over-under total of less than 30 in the ESPN odds database. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Oof. fair to say that the 40-year-old virgin scores more than both of these teams, okay? Oh. Under 28 points. Over under 20?
1: I'm saying, you know, out of all the years I've watched football, I don't think I've ever
0: seen that low. Yeah.
1: Even I, in 2000, I don't even remember seeing it that low. This
0: depresses me, but the over-under Florida LSU for LSU, just for LSU is over 28 points, yeah, well, okay? They have our offense. Just so. for LSU, these two games. Two two teams. The over under is twenty eight points. Have mm. you ever heard of such a monstrosity, ladies and gentlemen? Incredible. Who do you got, by the way? Iowa or Rutgers offsiders? Who do you have? Eight four four eight to three eight four four three two six three six six three. Next up, all right, Clay Travis, political talk show host, sometimes dabbles in sports. He has been trying for a long time to get a WNBA team to put up a million dollars on behalf of themselves to face a high school boys state champion. He says, I, I throw a million dollars on the boys. Well, a betting service, Bet Online, has put up a million dollars on the WNBA side. So Clay Travis loves that because that just puts more pressure on everybody to make it happen. You got a million dollars on the high school state boys champion he gets to pick the high school state championship boys team and a million dollars on the, um, the WNBA team, right? Mm-hmm. So the question um, is, should this game be played? And if the game is played, my friends, who do you think wins? 844-326-3663. Now, Diesel said he thinks the WNBA team would win. Uh, My belief is the high school boys would win. All right? Why? Because of strength, speed, athleticism, jumping ability, uh, quickness, right? The chance for the WNBA side would be because their fundamentals would be better. Handling would be better. They're not turning the ball over left and right. But I I really worry about getting shots off. You got got six-foot-four guys on the state championship team. That can jump out of the gym, and let me tell you guys, okay? Uh, the two states that I've lived in the most, Florida and Texas, the Las Vegas Aces, your current WNBA champion, are not beating some of the high school gyms I've I've attended. They're, they're not winning. They're not. They're not winning that game. Sorry. You know, I'm not trying to be sexist. I'm just, you know, based on my interpretation, that's what would happen. Now, should this game be played? I would love to see it played. Ah, oh, but, Mark, what about insurance, liability, injuries? What about the high school league saying no? Okay, fine us. we got a million dollars to pay it. Fine us. Can it make it happen? Yes, it should be played, and I think the boys' state championship team would win. What say you guys? Brennan, what do you think? I think the is actually
1: win. Have you seen Asia Wilson play? She's incredible. She is remarkable, yeah. and don't they have Kansas Parker on that team too?
0: I don't know. I don't know. But I, I don't – listen, man. It's, it's apples to oranges, really. It's, it's really apples to oranges. Um, you know, the women's game is largely played below the rim. That's not a sexist statement, right? No. It's played below the rim. The mm-hmm. men's game is played above the rim. I, I don't know. So we're now two out of three show participants today. <laughs> Brandon, Diesel, and yours true – Brandon and Diesel say the WNBA team would win. Clay Travis is so confident – He's apparently putting a million dollars of his own money on the line. A million dollars. What do you guys think? Should the game be played and who takes the game? Who takes the cake? Next up. Oh, Lane Kiffin has stepped in it, my friends. He has most certainly stepped in it. Um, He has a player, had a player, that... um, was suffering from mental illness, right? And the player had a leave of absence from the team. The problem is that the player would not return calls, emails, etc., essentially disappeared from the team, and then decided when he wanted to come back and knew it wasn't going to go well, because if you have a job, right, even if you're not doing well, your job is to communicate that. Uh, I always say that it's okay not to be okay, but that has to be communicated. The school standpoint is going to be, we have resources here to help you, and you've just gone MIA, and we can't have that. So in the audio you're about to hear, I want to ask you whose side are you on, okay? Are you on the side of DeSanto Rollins, who you're about to hear Lane Kiffin kicks off the team, and he suffers from mental illness, Or are you on the side of how Lane Kiffin handled this? I'll give you my verdict after you hear this recording that allegedly and apparently DeSanto Rollins recorded on his phone without the permission of Lane Kiffin. Here you go. If you
1: would have come here when you kept getting messages, the head coach wants to talk to you, and you saying, I'm not ready to talk to him.
0: I wasn't. Well, what world do you live
1: in? I don't see why you got
2: to be disrespectful, honestly.
1: Get out of here. Go. Go. You're off the team. You're done. See ya. See you. Because I'm... See ya. Go. Go. And guess what? We can kick you off the team. So go read your f***ing rights about mental health. We can kick you off the team for not showing up. When the head coach has to meet with you,
0: and you don't show up for weeks, okay, we can remove you from the team. It's called being the f***. Uh, so, Brandon, you are shaking your head. Um, I don't agree with the way Lane Kiffin handled that, but I do believe he has a right to kick the player off the team because you can't just disappear with no communication oh, exactly. for months on end. That's
1: like that's called job abandonment in right? every place. I suffer from mental illness, as you know. I have bipolar disorder, um, and it is very tough to handle. Depression is very, very, very severe. Um, the way lane spoke to him could have been addressed differently sure however i do agree with if you don't communicate you're gone you don't if you don't communicate when you've been asked to communicate every right of lane is get off the team but talk to him differently you know hey we're gonna go ahead and just go our own way because you're not obviously you're not in this anymore we don't want to invest any more time if someone's not in it and go that way go go that way don't curse him out and just say you know what what effing world do you live in? That's that was t- that right there is below the belt to me.
0: Oh, it is, it is, and uh, I'm sure Lane is going to get a talking to. But I'm I'm curious where you guys come out on this. Uh, do you side with the player? I got a, I also got a problem with him filming or recording Lane without his permission, which tells me that he expected Lane to say something that would get him in trouble. He knew something was going right? to come out of so, it. So so the reality is, I mean, Lane probably has a track record of speaking to players in ways that he shouldn't. That's why the player recorded him. But I don't think you should be recording people without their knowledge. We've gone down the rabbit hole of what states that's legal in and what states it isn't. And, you know, uh, one person can say it's okay and do you need two people to consent and all that stuff. Um, Lane Kiffin had the right to do what he did, went about it the wrong way. Um I, I have a ton of empathy for DeSanto Rollins's mental illness, but the valuable lesson learned here is you can't ghost. No, your employer, job your management. school, your boss. These guys are not employees yet, but they might as well. Will be, might as well because a lot of them are getting paid money. Mm-hmm. That's my take. What is yours? seven one three zero seven on the text line? Next up, guys, uh, the Michigan nonsense tour continues. With them writing threatening and scathing emails to the NCAA, NCAA Football 2023 EA Sports, it's in the game. Um, it's pretty good, right? What do you think, guys? It's pretty oh, good. Oh yeah, you saw proof on the YouTube channel that that was that was really me. You saw proof there. Um, Your checks in the mail. Yeah, thank you. So Michigan has largely uh, come out and spewed nonsense about about this. Uh, This here issue. okay? and they're using a bunch of big words, but essentially what they're saying is the following. They're saying Jim Harbaugh didn't know. Well, ignorance is of the law is not an excuse. All right. Then essentially they're saying, be better, be careful what you're digging up, because you're going to find that a lot of schools were doing this. Oh, my gosh. Ladies and gentlemen, how elementary is the excuse Mommy, she hit me first. She did it, too. Diesel calls it whataboutism, right? What about them? What about us? What about this? What about that? What about them? It is ridiculous to say what about them? They're doing it, too. I got to tell you guys, Clemson and Gamecock fans, you both do this about each other. And it's the most elementary argument. The only thing that matters is Michigan. Did you cheat? Yes. Then shut up. Stop giving me six-year-old elementary excuses. He did it first. They did it too. Did you cheat? Yes. Then shut up. Shut up. It's ridiculous. All right? And it's offensive. And this just shouldn't happen anymore. You know? And Michigan's using all these big words like among the broad points that, that Michigan has come back at the Big Ten Conference with. They've said these unadjudicated rule violations cannot be the basis for a sportsmanship action. So, in other words, because you haven't ruled on this issue in the past, you can't rule on it now. Of course you can. Of course you can. Commissioner Tony Petiti of the Big Ten lacks authority to punish Harbaugh under the league's sportsmanship policy. The commissioner is like the honey badger. The commissioner does what he wants and takes what he wants. You don't tell the commissioner what the commissioner can and can't do. Number three, they say disciplinary action at this time would be highly disproportionate given the broader regulatory context of the case, i.e., other teams have stolen signs and shared them. Okay? Again, they did it too. Give me a break. He did it first. Anybody who cheated should be punished. Anybody who cheated should be punished. This whole they did it too thing runs so hollow and so immature with me. And Harbaugh didn't know. Yeah, but there was cheating in Harbaugh's program. If he didn't know, he should have known. Okay? It's not just Harbaugh that is being punished here. Okay? Or at least it shouldn't be. It should be the entire, uh, the entire program. The entire program. All right. Uh, and finally... At number one, I've got to share this with you guys, man. Um, the Carolina Panthers take on the Chicago Bears tonight. It is the battle of the biggest loser. All right. It is the bad news, Chicago Bears, against the island of misfit toys known as the Carolina Panthers. J.J. Hardy joined us in the last hour and told us the buck stops with Dave Tepper. Look with him first. And the irony is here, folks, you've never heard this before. Chicago improves their draft pick by beating Carolina. How is that? They're starting a Division II quarterback, and they're a a three-and-a-half-point favorite over a team starting the number one overall pick. Again, how? How did we get here? Well, because the Bears have Carolina's number one overall draft pick. If they beat Carolina, they make their draft pick that much better in a quarterback year where the likes of Caleb Williams and Drake May are likely to be available in the draft class. This roster of the Carolina Panthers, I'm just going to say this, folks, would be more likely to be able to lose to a college football team than any other NFL roster before it. More likely to lose to a college football team. You pick the team. Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, you tell me. Okay, this roster is pathetic, and it's a miracle they've won a game. And those are today's top five at five. Now, it's your chance to chime in, which you can do at 844-FAN-PHONE. Uh, That's 844 326 is the number to get to us on the show. Let's get to Gunner. In Spartanburg, who joins us next on the show. Hey Gunner, you're offsides, man. What's good? Yes, you need to leave Shane Beamer alone. He's a really nice guy. And he's gonna win the Game Cox National Championship next year. They're gonna go 12 and 0. This is a Clemson fan. I know this well enough to know that this is a Clemson fan. Gunner, I appreciate this. I know what you're doing. I'm on to you, sir. Uh, they've never gone 12 and 0. They will not go 12 and 0. Yes, they will. <laughs> Gunner, great to hear from you, buddy. Uh, Gunner in Spartanburg, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I need to leave Shane Beamer alone. Come, come on, guys, come on. Um, that's not what we do on this show. Just not what we do on this show. All right, my friends. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Lawton Swan. Give you some Clemson scoop here and there. This is the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's offside. It's Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are the Fan upstate. State. It's Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel, Brandon Keeler sitting in, and we are the Fan upstate. joined right now as we are each and every Thursday at this time by the owner, founder of ClemsonSportsTalk.com on Twitter at ClemsonSports, Lawton Swan joins us right here on the show. Okay, Lawton, can you make sense to me at all uh, of a team that almost gives Florida State its only loss of the season – really controls the entire contest inexplicably against Notre Dame, but then looks how it does against Wake Forest, Miami, and uh, NC State, among others. How did you make sense of what you saw on Saturday?
2: Well, I think a couple of weeks ago, remember, I said I still thought it was a good football team, and you kind of gave me some grief about it. (laughs) I I do. I mean, you can't recruit uh, at at the level that Clemson's recruited at and not have talent in that that locker room and you know it's funny because i think if you go back and and i kind of said this on my show at some point along the way if that duke game wasn't the opener and you had maybe had a little better gate you know if you open you, you know how these teams are a lot of teams will open with some you know directional school you don't really know a lot about and then go out and get a couple of wins and then maybe duke gets a little bit of an identity maybe clemson has a little bit, you know, of a a better approach to that game. I think Clemson thought they were going to go in there. They were the preseason favorites in the ACC, and even though Duke had had a good year, and we talked about it a lot, how good they were in year one under Mike Elko. I don't think that was resonating between the the ears of the Clemson Tiger players, and then it's kind of like you, you get that, you know, punch right in the gut, and I think it took them a while to rebound, and certainly they've had some dumb luck along the way, and you make your breaks. I don't think you can, you know, just excuse what happened. That's you know, Clemson talked about forcing turnovers all offseason. That's what the defense, you know, was working on at practice. But yet what ended up materializing was that the offense did all the turning over and Clemson's defense uh, wasn't really answering the bell on their side. Well, when uh, when when Jeremiah Trotter Jr. picked that ball to put Clemson up 24-6, to I thought to myself, I believe this is the team that everybody thought you were going to get this year. And I think it's given people – you know, that follow the program. I think both internally and fans' confidence that the next few weekends will go very well for Clemson because they've got to have more confidence in themselves, Mark, than they've had all year.
0: Lawton Swan, com, joining us here on Offsides, the fan upstate. Do Clemson fans have a right to be really miffed if Shipley is starting over Maffa again?
2: Yeah, I think this week for sure. And that was when he said he's gonna ride the hot hand and I, I don't blame him and we'll see, you know, what Will Shipley's status is as soon as you know, the game kicks off at noon. But yeah, I think you would be now now look, they changed the blocking scheme up and that was pretty easy to pick up on. I thought to myself watching it, I can't wait tomorrow I to get Tommy Bowden on the program and when Tommy was at Clemson the zone blocking was one of the things that they really thrived on. And what it allows the running back to do, right, is kind of find a spot and hit it. And you saw Maffa running with patience, following behind uh, the, the offensive lineman. And then when he saw a little gap, he took it. And, you know, 36 carries, that equals uh, Raymond Priester, I think, is one of the guys that was tied at the top. And, and Raymond played at Clemson back in my day. Uh, he's down from my neck of the woods, too, in South Carolina. He's down there from Allendale County, and he's a really good football player. Uh, but, you know, that was when Clemson had to trust the running back to tote the load. And they, I think they knew. They're going in this game against Notre Dame. They're going to have to do that, and Audrick Estime is an incredible back. I'll be honest, that first run, man, when he hurdled two people, I thought, oh, boy, it's going to be a long day for the Tigers. And then it kind of turned the other way where Clemson was able to control the clock. I would be shocked if Will Shipley gets the bulk of the carries this Saturday, even if he is healthy, because I think that Phil Moff has earned it. Coming into the season, I thought either or could be the starter. But now after seeing what Moffa did, I think Clemson's gotta trust him to be the guy. And I think that's okay, right? Because I think if you look at Will Shipley, Mark, and you think about sort of the comparisons that were made for him coming out of high school, you know, a lot of people are putting that Christian McCaffrey tag on him. A great third down back is an important piece to an offensive puzzle. And if Will Shipley could become that for Clemson this year and allow Phil Maffa to get those, you know, first and second down carries, it may work out for the good for everybody involved.
0: I I continue to see Clemson Lawton uh, showing up on Upset Alert Watch this week. I'm not buying it, are you?
2: Well, I'll I'll say this. I think when you look at Haynes King, the transfer quarterback from Texas A&M, his numbers are really good this year, probably surprisingly good. And it's not just what he's done through the year. I think he's thrown for about 2,300, but he's rushed for over 500 yards. And and, and look, I, I know their record's probably a little bit deceptive because if Miami takes a knee, you know, some of the some of those things that have happened along the way, uh, their resume is not four and two in conference play where it is right now. They're the third-ranked team or the third, you know, position team in the league behind Florida State and Louisville. But I think that, you know, Coach Keys come in there. Obviously, last year when he took over from Jeff Collins, uh, the players, he's a former player. They love him. I got a chance to meet him at the ACC kickoff just seemed like a jam-up guy you'd want to run through a wall for, and I think that's culture, and I think he's gone in and instantly made that program have better culture than it ever did under Collins, and I think they believe, and, and belief, you know, for young men is a big part of it. I don't believe they're going to win this game, however, uh, because I think Clemson's kind of got that same thing right now. They're feeling good about themselves. I think it would take a lot for Georgia Tech to come in and win the ball game against Clemson, but Uh, There's no doubt, man, that program, you know, they got the right – they're in the right area. Atlanta's a hotbed for recruiting. Uh, I think the coach that could eventually win there big might be somebody like Deion Sanders. But as long as Deion's out of Colorado, hey, Coach Key's going to do his thing. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I think he's arguably at this point, you know, probably second on the list in terms of the Atlantic Coast Conference coaches for Coach of the Year because right now I think Jeff Brom at Louisville has got to get that. I think he probably – he may even get that nationally if they continue to play well.
1: Lawton, now I know the old, the old cliche of this being a trap game because, you know, Clemson is better than They look like they finally turned that corner. They do play UNC next, and then they finish up with South Carolina. Do you think this could be kind of like a trap game playing against Georgia Tech? You know, Georgia Tech, yes, they're only, what, 5-4, and four, but so is Clemson. So, I mean, you know, again, could it be a trap game?
2: I, I don't think so. Um, I think given what Clemson's already kind of been through this year, I, I think they're pretty squarely focused on the prize. Now, if, say, Clemson had one, a one loss season, right, and you had North Carolina looming and, and North Carolina's year was kind of going the way people had projected, then maybe so. But I think at this point, Clemson's kind of got to have all hands on deck because just last week you're thinking going into the Notre Dame game, and if Clemson doesn't win that, they might struggle to get bowl eligible if they're not careful. And so I, I think they'll be I think they'll be ready to go i wouldn't I wouldn't chalk this one up as a trap game, but it has all the makings of it if things were maybe going a little bit better for Clemson and if North Carolina hadn't fallen off a little bit as well. And a part of that too, right, was the fact that Georgia Tech beat North carolina forty six forty two which I think was probably is probably the reason that some people today are talking about what Mark said earlier you know, about uh, this game potentially being one of those uh, upset alert kind of ball games.
0: You know, it's interesting, Lawton. I asked our numbers guy, what are the odds that Clemson runs the table and finishes 8-4, and four, and he crunched them, and it's 80 uh, – eight, I'm sorry, 35%. 35% chance Clemson runs the table. Now, that includes an 80% chance to beat Georgia Tech, 62% chance to beat North Carolina, 69% chance to beat South Carolina – but by way of binomial probability, uh, the chance you win all three is just 35%. Will you take the over or the under on the actual odds? Clemson goes 3 and0? I think it would be slightly
2: over that. That's what I would take. I, I don't think it's 50%, but I, I think it's slightly over 35, probably 40 to 45 percent chance. That would be where I put it. I know this though, Mark, watching you. Uh, make that fruitcake surprise. It's a 100% chance <laughs> I'm making that thing this holiday season,
0: <laughs> yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah, fruitcake surprise, my man. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, what is the most likely loss, Slot, of the three games?
2: I think North Carolina still. Um, Drake May, you know, is, I mean, he's elite. I, I think he's still, you know, when you look at Clemson's schedule, obviously the last two ball games, they'll probably face the two best quarterbacks uh, that they'll play. Uh, you play that game against South Carolina on the road, which obviously brings up uh, a lot of, you know, concern for people. But I think North Carolina's, you know, quarterback play uh, is going to be superior to even what South Carolina is going to do, just because of some of the cast of characters that currently surround. Uh, well, and again, we don't know if Juice Wells is going to be back or if he's going to play or what he's going to do. But uh, at this point, I think North Carolina's got a little more talent around May than South Carolina does. So I would say it's the, the North Carolina game, but. Uh, you can't you know, you can't write off a rivalry game with the Gamecocks either, but, yeah, I think the most likely loss is North Carolina.
0: Who's, is that what his
2: number said? I I, I don't remember what you said. Yeah, is that his what his, number his said? numbers
0: were 62% uh, North Carolina w- a win for Clemson, 62%, right? So uh, that is the lowest percentage chance that Clemson wins of the three games. Yeah, yeah, but still, I would agree with that. Yeah, still more yeah. likely to uh, – to win uh, than, than not win. What has been your take, Lawton, on the outbursts we've seen this season from both Shane Beamer and Dabo Sweeney? Dabo, I was last Saturday years old when I heard him curse for the first time <laughs> in my life. Okay? Okay. All smart ass, wise ass. I mean, I, I, like, I've never heard it before. And then you got Beamer calling his fan base miserable. We're going to celebrate like heck. Uh, a win over a school that was FBS last year, uh, FCS last year. Um, what there? Like they're, they're such chippiness, you know, like what, what surprised you the most about what you've heard?
2: Not a lot. Well, what surprised me the most? Um, probably if you remember when we were growing up, Mark, you'd go into the mall yeah. and they'd have that little setup where it was uh sample A and sample B and you drink, you had to figure out which one was Coke or which one was Pepsi. Sure. You remember those things? Sure. Okay, if we could adjust the you know how you, like when you're watching the show and they're trying to hide somebody's identity yeah. if you could adjust it where you couldn't tell who was talking, I would have thought that uh Shane Beamer was Davo Sweeney with his comments to the South Carolina fans about appreciating wins and all that stuff and and I think he's justified in doing so because you know yes you should you should beat Jacksonville state but. I think I said all along that I thought it was going to be a competitive game. same. I didn't think well, if they throw the wheel route the right, the right way, they might actually win it. but that's kind of the way it looks when you watch it in. So I think that's the thing for me, that's the big takeaway is that these two fan bases have two coaches who are eerily similar uh, in kind of how they, I think, run their program and, and the way that they, uh, you know the way that they appreciate the wins that they, they get on the field on Saturday whether it's by one or one hundred. And I think that can get lost on fans a lot, but believe you me, I, I think the Tiger faithful that have followed Clemson through this incredible run where, you know, honestly, Mark, when when they when we're done with the four team college football playoff, I mean, I know that's a separate era from the new twelve team. I could see like ESPN putting together like a thirty for thirty, right, and it's like and it was a small school in the upstate of South Carolina. They made six runs to the four team playoff. Because that's how significant this has been for Clemson. And I, I think the fans now really appreciate what it took, you know, in all of those games to get to where Clemson was. And, and they were, I mean, running right alongside the Alabama Crimson Tide to the point that after they beat them in the national championship, 44-16, to 16, the conversations that next morning, you remember it well, where has Clemson surpassed Alabama? Yeah, And uh, I think people kind of forgot that that's how good it was. But this year has been a stark reminder. And I think what you saw on Saturday against Notre Dame was that there's still a lot of that left in this ball club, uh, even though this year will certainly not finish the way people had hoped.
0: Lawton Swan does a fantastic job, has an awesome Clemson show in his own right. Uh, on Twitter, he's at Clemson Sports, won over 30,000 followers. Congrats there. Uh, at Clemson Sports there, ClemsonSportsTalk.com is the website. Appreciate you, pal. Thank you so much, and thank you for proving me wrong on Notre Dame. I needed that.
2: <laughs> uh, man, I always appreciate you having me on, Mark, and I can't wait to see you, man.
0: All right, take care, buddy. All the best. Uh, Lawton Swan, ClemsonSportsTalk.com is where you get to Him. All right, my friends, Uh, we are jam packed on the show. Uh, The very latest on Michigan's blunderings. Next, here on Offsides, we are the fan upstate. It's offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the fan upstate. Texter says, please don't ever talk WNBA again. Well, come on, Texter. Yeah, you, you honor and you highlight players from the area that are playing in the WNBA, and uh, I thought it was an interesting topic personally. Madcraft's got a great upset pick. He's going BYU plus seven over Iowa State. Uh, TXperience says, as a Gator fan, I can see it going both ways evenly with the lamecocks. And Clem sucks. I'm not sure, I, that was so long ago. I'm not sure what uh, what he said. The texter says, what do you guys think about Ron Washington leaving the Braves for the Angels? He's been great for the Braves. He has proving again that age is just but a number. Kevin Bugs going Mississippi State over Texas A and M for 18 and a half points. Texture says, well said. Brandon Lane should have handled it better, but I agree with Mark. Two on job abandonment. What a crap situation. Gator Nate says Lane should not have been unprofessional about it, but the law says they have to be communicating. If one party does not communicate, uh, that party doesn't have a leg to stand on. If that's all true, Lane did everything right, except the way that he spoke to the player. Uh, Michigan needs to pay attention to the Astros. This is why everyone still hates them, because their fans use whataboutism constantly. Best point on this, Texter, and a the text of the day, in my opinion. So good that I am going to take a picture of that. Very nicely done. Political cor- Texter says, political correctness is crippling the willingness to speak different and freely. Accountability and responsibility still exist. I side with Lane, a Texter says. So says Shy Copeland. Uh, Texter says, it's so funny that after one win, now the fans appreciate. Dabo Sweeney still thinks, Dabo Sweeney still thinks, 10 to 20% 20 are, quote, little B words that do not care anything about the program. Uh, Well, it sounds like you're not on Dabo's side there, Texter. That's that's perfectly fine. Um, For me, you know, uh, I respected... Tyler and Spartanburg's right to complain. I I respect that. You know, I don't think he was respectful saying, hey, why are we paying you $11.5 million to go four and four? But you go on a coach's show, you have a right to deal, to complain to your coach. That's your platform to vent, right? He was venting. He's got a right to do that. At the same token, on Shane Beamer's side, I I don't think he's acting like a CEO. You know, I think he acts in many cases, um, as a subordinate who's immature and who's popping off at the hip. CEOs don't act that way. You know, when Shane Beamer popped off at me, if you go back to that Twitter thread and read my response to him, I said, Shane, I don't see any other elite coaches doing this. You know, they're CEOs. Why are you, you know, trying to get me to wrestle in the mud with you? You know, like, why are you doing that? Didn't make sense to me then, still doesn't make sense to me. He cares way too much about what other people think. And when he does, he gives guys like myself and Chris Phillips way too much power. Way too much power. We have a platform. We share our opinions. It's what we do. Okay? Um, But that doesn't mean you need to care about it so much that you just have to respond. It's a bit of ridiculousness there. All right, we talk Furman football with Clay Hendricks of the Furman Paladins next here on Offsides. We are the fan